How many views are there when it comes to the Lord's Supper? How many views? Uh, Sujin, how many views? How many? Oh, what are they? Whatever you remember. First one. Or maybe you don't understand the question. Um, how do people in, in Christendom, there are few views about the Holy Communion itself. When we are taking it, what, what it represents? Okay. Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation is the Roman Catholic view. Transubstantiation means the bread turns into the real flesh of Jesus. The wine, for them is wine. And the cup turns into the real blood of Jesus. So that is called cannibalism. Right? Cannibalize your God. Now, cannibalism, not transubstantiation. Now, what is the next one? Sing Yun. Say again. Consubstantiation. That is the Lutheran view. Although they don't say that the elements turn into the physical flesh and blood, but they still believe the elements, the elements is Christ. Somehow, somehow, on top, underneath, beneath, all that kind of thing. Can that be true? So the first and the second view, sometimes people, well, the Roman Catholic definitely justified from John chapter 6, after, after as we'll see. And then what is the third view? Sing Yuan. Symbolic. Symbolic. The symbolic view. If you look at your BBK books, page 142, Page 142, uh, the new book is, I think 120, yeah, 120. Symbolic view, the Baptist, Congregationalist, and the Brethren Churches, they see the Lord's Supper as symbolic, symbolic. Symbolic means these elements, they don't turn into the, the body and the blood of Christ, these elements just symbolize the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. So symbolic. Now in this symbolic view, it simply means it's for remembrance. Just symbolize and then remember, that's all. Is it merely remembrance? What's the fourth view? Um, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Magaping. Cheryl, what's the fourth view? Means of grace. Very good. The fourth view, the means of grace. Page 143 or 121. The means of grace is the view of, of most Presbyterians. Means of grace is not just remembrance, not just symbolic. Means of grace means something does occur, some grace is imparted. It is a means. When you take the Holy Communion, it is a means of a certain grace being imparted to you. Okay, so that is our view, and we've covered that in detail at camp, in WCF. Partaking of the Holy Communion with the understanding, with the um, right um, um, approach, with carefulness, with examination, 
it works something in our hearts, correct? Like the wedding ring is a means of grace. The wedding ring always reminds us that I'm married. And because I'm married, does it work something in me? Yes, I must be faithful. When temptation comes, I look at the ring. I must be faithful, right? So, these sacraments are means of grace because it does something to us. Now, how do we know it's not just symbolic? Um, Mabel, how do we know it's not just symbolic? Because the Bible says, just remember, just remember. Why, it's not, why don't why we believe it is not just symbolic? Part of the covenant, but it can still be just symbolic, that's all. Uh, let me see. Uh, Hannah, why not just symbolic to us? That is correct. Because there is a word of caution. What is that word of caution in 1 Corinthians 11? Don't partake of it unworthily. If we do, there is a warning of chastisements, sickness, even death. That is why it is not just symbolic. If it is just symbolic, would God attach such a serious warning? Right? It is not just symbolic. Just symbolic, there won't be this attachment of a very serious warning. Right? So it's a means of grace. It's supposed to do something. And if we ignore what it's supposed to do, it's not just symbolic. God says, I will act. This is supposed to mean something. This is supposed to do something. And then you ignore it. Then God says, I will chastise. Okay, if it's just symbolic, then no chastisement. So that is the, that, those are the views. So I hope you remember. You remember now, but this is one area where I asked you to go back and think, right? Say, Cam, it was Cam, so I don't have time to think. Uh, to ask you to think. Let's turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Now, before we read, now John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Let's read um, verses 52 to 56. Alright, 52 to 56, reading. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. God bless the reading of his word. Because of this passage, the Roman Catholics say that you must, or rather the Roman Catholics believe that Jesus said, Look, I already told you, this bread is my flesh, and my flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. You know, it's indeed, it is really. So he says, and then 
Then look at verse 54. Now, anyone who eat my flesh and drink my blood, ah, you will have eternal life. You will have eternal life. So that is how they come to this conclusion that eating the flesh of Christ, drinking his blood at Holy Communion is what gives you eternal life. So to them, Holy Communion is what is needed for eternal life based on this. Actually, I asked my group um, in the discussion group, do the Roman Catholics believe that, actually I told you this last Sunday, do the Roman Catholics believe that the Holy Communion is a means of grace? Josiah, do the Roman Catholics believe that the Holy Communion, the Eucharist, is a means of grace? Yes, they do. So we are wrong because we believe it's a means of grace, right? Because we believe it's a means of grace, so we should stop taking Holy Communion because we are the same as the Roman Catholic. Um, what does means of grace to the Roman Catholic? What does it mean? Alex? Uh, Very good. Now, to them, when you ask the Roman Catholic, do you believe the Holy Communion as a means of grace? They say, yes. They say, wow. Okay, you say, wow. Now, to them, means of grace means it imparts salvation grace. Imparts. So when they say it's a means of grace to the Roman Catholic, the Eucharist, when you take it, it is a means by which a person receives salvation grace, it imparts salvation grace, and therefore you must take it to be saved. Understand? When the Roman Catholics say means of grace, they always mean you need this to be saved. This is a means to have salvation grace. But when we say it's a means of grace, what do we mean? We mean sanctifying grace, sanctifying grace. We are already saved. Already saved. And when we partake the Holy Communion, when we approach it rightly, searching our hearts, pondering upon the love of Christ, this is a means by which it causes us to renew our love for Him, turn away from our sin. It sanctifies us after salvation. Alright? So please remember that. But then, when Christians are not clear of scriptures, they get doubtful. They get doubtful. One of the things that Roman, the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, Protestant Church, churches, is still debating about. One of the doctrines that prevents Protestants from returning to Rome is this doctrine of regarding the Holy Communion. Some already accept the Roman Catholic's view. That's why no more barrier. They can cross back over. Some are still resisting because they say, no, our view is different. Therefore, we cannot come together. Why do I tell you about that? Unless you are so clear about John chapter 6. Unless we teach 
and make sure BPCWA is so clear about Roman uh, John chapter 6. When you grow up, when Isaac grew up, if Isaac don't understand, Veronica don't understand, Jennifer don't understand, Phoebe don't understand, they will begin to say, oh yeah, based on John chapter 6, looks like the Roman Catholics are right. Because Jesus said, you must eat my flesh, you must drink my blood, then you can get saved. So, Holy Communion view should be the Roman Catholic view, correct? So you better be sure, you better be very sure and in your own heart never waver and make sure your children understand. If your children one day come back from school, Daddy, Mommy, my, my Roman Catholic friends say that this is the view and look, the Bible says this, Daddy, Mommy, is it true? Then you read, I guess BPCWA is wrong. Let's go to the Roman Catholic Church. So look at these verses, please tell me that explain why is this about eating Jesus' flesh and blood, therefore transubstantiation is right, even consubstantiation is right, or is it about something else? So by default you know it's about something else. Right? The question is how to explain that. Okay, you want to try? Uh, Jeremy? How to explain this passage? I, I don't even know where to start to ask. Alright, let's start by this. Is this eating the flesh and drinking the blood about Holy Communion? I start there. So you all answer. Huh? Okay, so is this about Holy Communion? Is this about Holy Communion? Um, Susan, ex-Roman Catholic like me, is this about Holy Communion? No. But it's so clear, you know. The, the body, the flesh, the blood, the cup. Every week, every month we meet, we talk about the body and the cup. And Jesus said the body and the cup. So this is about Holy Communion, this passage has to be about Holy Communion, eating flesh and drinking his blood. Then, don't I, I always say, this, my, this bread, my body which is broken for you. This cup, my blood in the, in the New Testament which is shed for you. Body and blood, right? Why do you say no? Because you left the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> Why do you say no? Because of context. Okay, what is the context that you want to refer to? Number one, the people that Jesus was speaking to was wanting physical food. Very good. Because this whole context, this all occur. Today I spent time on this uh, because you have to be very clear. Because the context, look at chapter 6, the whole chapter. Chapter 6 is the chapter where you get Christ feeding 5,000 men. And when they when christ left them they followed christ they kept following him they kept following him because they wanted to continue to eat free food right this is the context so you say that that is the context so what has it to do with that this is not about holy communion why do you say that's not about holy communion Ah, now we are caught. Ichung. <coughs> Maybe 
Okay, he hasn't instituted the Holy Communion too much later, but he could be now telling them about the Holy Communion to come after he instituted it. Well, he clarifies himself in verse 63. Verse 63. What, um, what he is meaning by, um, by how to have eternal life. Okay, let's read verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Yes, this is one way we can argue. Christ said, please stop thinking about physical food. But they can argue with you further and say, well, Christ was referring to his words. Listen to his words. You know, the flesh eating itself, but his words. And his words... His words, verse 55, Jesus' words is for my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. So you must listen to his words. They can argue that. But that is one way. But if they argue that, huh, how? Why is this not about Holy Communion? Why you must never doubt in your heart that this is not about Holy Communion? Last, last person, Shane. Want to try? Yes or no? No, don't to try. I mean, it's not about Holy Communion. Yes. Why is it not about Holy Communion? Yeah, he could be using the context feeding of 5,000 to teach Holy Communion. Talking about spiritual feeding. Yeah, so you eat his flesh and his blood, then that is, you get spiritual life. You get eternal life. So you can argue some more. Right? Okay, last one, last one. Brenda. Why to us it cannot be about the Holy Communion? Okay, both. You can combine your answer. Why? Yes, because... Christ is talking about salvation. Now please look at verse 54. Let's read verse 54 together. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now Christ say that you must eat my flesh, you must drink my blood then you have eternal life. In other words, when Christ said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, it has to do with what? It has to do with salvation. This text here, see only one remember when we did the book of John, the Gospel of John. When we did this in the Gospel of John in Youth 180, I already said, this text, this context is about salvation. This context is about salvation. Please remember that. Christ was talking about how to be saved. Look at verse, verse, um, verse 28, right? Verse 28, uh, verse 27. Now, verse 27, Christ says, now this is the context. The context, Christ says, Labor not for meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. So he said, now I tell you how to get eternal life. 
You keep thinking about physical food. You must think about eternal life. And then the people asked in verse 28, and then they said unto him, what shall we do that we, have, that we may work the works of God? They say, so what should we do? What shall we do to, to have eternal life? What does God expect? What work? What does God expect? So the context is about salvation. If the context is about salvation, and if Christ is telling them how to be saved, can Christ be saying, take Holy Communion and you can be saved? Cannot be. Can a Christian take this passage to mean Holy Communion? Cannot, because if we take that, then Christ is saying in verse 54, Christ is saying, take Holy Communion. If eating my flesh and drinking my blood here means Holy Communion, then Christ is saying Holy Communion is needed for salvation, correct? Then the Roman Catholics are right. But why are the Roman Catholics wrong? <coughs> Jennifer, what do we need to be saved? We are saved by grace. We are saved by grace through faith. What is grace? Not of works. Turn to Ephesians. I want you to be clear. Now, so when you look at this passage, Ephesians must come to your mind. Ephesians must come to your mind. Ephesians 2, 8. Let's read together. The memory verse, right? Ephesians 2, 8. For, let's read, by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not doing anything, not taking Holy Communion, not being water baptized. All these works does not save you. We are saved by purely knowing that Jesus died for me. He, he gave his body and his blood as a sacrifice to redeem me. I put my faith, I put my faith in this grace of God. I put my faith in this grace of God. Nothing that I can do. Nothing that I need to do to save myself. I just trust in everything that Jesus has done for me. That is salvation. So can, it, can salvation be taking Holy Communion? It is works, correct? Nothing to do with that. So in your heart, please don't ever falter. Maybe this passage is, is about Holy Communion. Maybe this passage is about Holy Communion. Please understand this. Every, every time we read the Bible, don't read it this way. Every time you read water or oil, Holy Spirit, right? Very often people, people are like that, water and oil, Holy Spirit. Born of water, born of Holy Spirit. Born of water means baptism. Born of water means baptism. Every time you talk about rock, rock is Christ. You notice I did not talk about the badger stay in the rock and <laughs> avoid talking about the rock is Christ. Otherwise, people will um, spiritualize things. So don't read scriptures as, every time you see this word, must be something. Look at the context. Jesus is God. Or rather, we are human. Every time I say water, uh, Sharon, can you get me some water? Oh, he wants the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we don't sing like that, right? We don't sing like that. Why is it that when we read the Bible, we are like that? When Christ talk, when God, when Christ say, my flesh and my blood, must it always be about Holy Communion? No, look at the context. 
It seems now Christ is talking about salvation, therefore it cannot be Holy Communion. Agree? I didn't fill my water bottle. I told Sharon, I need water. She won't say, oh, she asked, he's asking me to pray that he's filled with the Holy Spirit to teach BBK. The context is, my bottle is empty. Sometimes I may tell her, you know, I need, I need to be filled. She don't run off to cook. Immediately, she knows, pray for the message. So don't read the Bible that way. But, next thing I want to ask, is this passage about the sacrifice of Christ. Is this passage about the sacrifice of Christ where he will give his body and where he will give his blood? Is this passage about the sacrifice of Christ? Is it or not? It is. It is. You look. Alright? Um, look at verse 51. Because when they argue with you, or when you read and you get doubtful, look at verse 51. Let's read together. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, uh, he shall live forever. See, it's about salvation, right? And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Right? So he say, what is this bread? What is this bread? This bread is him giving his flesh, correct? So is this about the sacrifice of Christ? Is it or not? Uh, Jemima, is this about the sacrifice of Christ? It is. Christ himself said that. Christ himself said that. So, how can you be saved? You say you're saved by believing in the sacrifice of Christ, correct? I believe in Christ being the sacrificial lamb, so I get saved. Correct? But, listen carefully. Does, does believing in the sacrifice of Christ, does believing in the sacrifice of Christ, and does believing that Christ gave his body and shed his blood for our salvation, does believing in that means Holy Communion? No. Correct? Just because, can we believe that this passage is about sacrifice of Christ? Yes. Can we believe that in this sacrifice, Christ talked about his body and his blood? Yes. But does believing in this always mean, oh, Holy Communion? Holy Communion. No. So is this passage about Holy Communion? No. So be deeply convicted in your heart. Don't one day you start to doubt again. Now this morning, someone came to church very angry. And he was talking, he was like going to break down, his voice was shivering. Hmm? was so angry because he just, he just read that a church is sold to become a mosque. Muslims are buying churches and they say, just name a price, the right price, the churches will sell. Will sell the church to us. Why does this happen? Because we are not steadfast in the apostles' doctrines. Understand that. If you are not clear, we will just... Well, let's go back to the Roman Catholic Church. No big deal. We must have very strong conviction. It must anger us. Now, the next question is this. How do you explain this part then? Now, look at verse um, 
54 and 55. Let's read 54 and 55 together, reading. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. How do you explain 54? 54. Well, number one, we know it's not about Holy Communion, so that's subtle. Then what does it mean? Look here. I hope, I hope you lay this in your heart, because this is constantly in debate, and Christians begin to think this is Holy Communion and think this is for, this is, um, for salvation. Number one, this is not about Holy Communion. Am I right? We establish that. We establish that. This is not about Holy Communion. Then, so this is not. Then, what is it? If it is not this, then what is it that Christ is saying? You say, no, we know what it is not. Uh, but the fact is Christ said, you must eat my body and drink my flesh. What is it? Benedict, you want to try? We know what it is not. But the question is, what did Christ mean then? To be part of Him? Yes. To be part of Christ? Yes, correct. But it is a bit down the road. They say, well, to be part of Christ, yes. It is about eating, drinking, becoming part of Him. He part Him, part of us, we part of Him. The intimacy. Right? The eating, the intimacy with Christ. But how from this passage, from chapter 6, you can be very sure what Christ means when he said this. This is, Benedict, you're right, this is the intended outcome. But what did he mean? What did he mean? Vincent, what did Christ mean? Um, I, I remember, I like it. <laughs> oh, from the camera, okay. I thought from John. Right? Yeah, good. Hmm? 60 and 61 and 66. So uh, Christ is telling them that they have to uh, accept everything uh, he's saying and uh, his words and what he's teaching is going to be a part of them. Okay, so Christ, so Vincent says that he, they must accept all his words and his teachings must be part of them. Then the Roman Catholics will tell you, yeah, that's why you all have a problem. Because Christ says in verse 50, 54, he said that whosoever eat my flesh and drink my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up. This is the words of Christ. This is his teaching. How can you not follow? Right? What did Christ mean when he says this? What did Christ mean? Okay, last five minutes. Who want to try? Keziah want to try? What did he mean? He's referring to himself as Christ. He is. He's, he definitely is referring to himself. But the question is, when he says, eat me and drink me, what is he saying? Okay, always lean upon Him, trust in Him. He's the bread of life, not Holy Communion. Every time bread doesn't mean Holy Communion, okay? But Christ's words were very specific. Always read context. Now, 
Christ explained himself earlier already. Look at verse 40. Look at verse 40. Put your finger there. Let's read together. And this is the will of him that sent me, and that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now listen, put your finger on this. Christ say, have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Am I correct? Now please put your finger on verse 54. Put your finger on verse 54. Christ is explaining himself. Eh? Does verse 54 have the exact words, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Right? Now look at verse, I ask you to read verse 40, right? Now verse 40 and verse 54. Look here, verse 40 and verse 54. What is the second part of verse 40? See him, believe in him, have eternal life. So the context is about eternal life. So have eternal life and I will raise him up. Correct? Both verse 40 and verse 50 ends the same way. Have eternal life and raise him up. Both are the same. But what is earlier is verse 40, the earlier part, say it is about belief. If you believe in me, you will, be, you will have eternal life and I will raise you up, correct? Verse 54, he says that if you eat and drink me, you will have eternal life and I will raise you up, right? Christ just explained himself. Do you understand or not? Cannot see. Cannot. <laughs> okay. Listen last time, huh? because running out of time. Listen carefully. I will say this only once because that's all the time we have. Verse 40, part B. Verse 40, part B, Christ say, Etern- have, eternal- have eternal life and raise him up. Correct? Verse 40, part B, Christ say, have eternal life and raise him up. Verse 54, part B, says, have eternal life, I will raise him up. Correct? Verse 40, part A, how to have, how to have eternal life and raise you up, Christ say, believe. Correct? Hey, are you seriously following or not? Verse 54, verse 54, Christ says to have eternal life and raise him up, he described it in a different way. He described belief as eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He described belief, which he said earlier on, for eternal life and, and, and raise you up. In verse 54, he described it as eat and drink me. To have eternal life and, and, and you will be raised up. So, the conclusion, number one, it is not Holy Communion, correct? What is it? What is it? What is it? It is about belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. Eat me and drink me is about belief in me. That's all. Not Holy Communion and his flesh turned to, and the bread turned to flesh and the blood turned to water. That is how they come up with this concept. Okay? Okay, not. Be very clear, huh? because people are, people are believing that the Roman Catholic teaching is correct and they're moving back already. I want you to be very clear in your heart. We will never move back there. We will never sell our church to a mosque. We will never. Because we know what is correct 
doctrines in the Bible. All right? Next week, I'll ask you. Uh, are you listening? Let's pray.